0: This is the Lombardi Line with
2: Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
3: We begin the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds for the next two hours. And we're really going to dive deep into the AFC and the NFC Championship Games today day, Wes. Of course, we're going to have Will Hill join us and, of course, get Will, I like to call him the king of New York, talk about his podcast, but also he's going to get his thoughts really on these two critical games coming up this weekend in the NFL to figure out who, in fact, will move on to the Super Bowl and maybe which way you should lay down some of that money before you do on a Sunday afternoon. So, Wes, let's dive in first just to the AFC matchup here with the Bengals. And the chiefs in the next block we will really get into the NFC, but we see where the chiefs opened up and it felt like immediately there was some, some buys on Kansas city that Mm -hmm. everybody really did like the chiefs here. So uh, it did open up six and a half. That number now has gone up to seven and a half here for the full game. So that is a significant move from where it was initially released at getting over that key number of seven, getting to this to the seven and a half number. And you see the uh, total here, Right now, 54.5 is what we're seeing. So let's just start off right there. When you saw the initial line move up, to Kansas City by a full point over that seven number. Did that surprise you at all? Is that because, man, Kansas City looks so good. De facto championship game against Buffalo. There's no way they're going to lose to Cincinnati.
2: Not really a surprise to me because I think what did we hear all week leading up to that Sunday night divisional game was this is the de facto AFC championship game. So no surprising that the market perception is going to drive that up seven, even some seven and a halves out there. But this is not something I bet yet. but if I can get if I get seven and a hook I do lean Cincinnati Hmm. here in this spot because look if you look at just the raw numbers of this game we know Mahomes led the league uh, or at least over the last weekend in terms of the teams that were in the divisional round had the most yards passing at 378 and 69 yards rushing however when you look at Burrow and Mahomes' numbers this year including the postseason Burrows number three only behind Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in composite expect points added. That's EPA. That's kind of a metric that people use You know, maybe in some of the advanced analytics in the league, and also completion percentage over expectation was third in the league. Defensively, the Bengals have actually been better. Mm -hmm. Overall, expected points added, drop back expected points added, and rush expected points added. Uh, You look, uh, the Bengals have already beaten this team. Remember just a few weeks ago, Joe Burrow put five bills on these guys, and so I think that they're absolutely live underdogs. Joe Burrow on the road away from the jungle, nine and five against the number Bengals this year, five and one against the number as road underdogs. And one interesting thing that I did find as the officials got announced last night, and you can go to at West Reynolds one, I did tweet this out. The AFC championship game is getting bill Vinovich. Uh, who is one of my favorite NFL referees and why he's one of my favorite NFL referees is because he stays the hell out of the way. There we go. He actually calls the least amount of penalties. I'm I'm uh, going back through my numbers here. He calls the least amount of penalties of any crew. Now there are mixed crews. Keep in mind right here in the playoffs, but Bill Benovich's crew, I think the referee sets the tone and tenor of how a game is going to be called 148 penalties in 16 games. Bill Vinovich's crew has called. They never called a roughing the passer all season long in 16 games. So I don't think you're going to see based on the numbers of what we've seen for a season sample size, you are not going to see, I think, you know, all of a sudden this game get over officiated. I don't mm. think Bill Vinovich is going to allow that. We'll get to the exact opposite when we talk about the NFC championship <laughs> game. By
3: well, the way, how, how do you feel that that, because that is very significant, obviously, when you look at the crews and certainly with, with Bill Vinovich being the leader of that crew. To your point, it, it probably should kind of manifest its down, way down to the other officials in this group. How do you think that that affects the game flow, that it, it allows it to flow naturally so there won't be a lot of start and stops? Is that mm-hmm. helping over 54? Does that help an over It under? very
2: well could help an over if you're not getting a lot of offensive holding penalties. I think uh, when I saw the numbers for Benovich, I believe he only called 31 in terms of 16 games. So that's just slightly under two a game. That's not going to make a huge difference. Now, when you have other referees that are calling, you know, three or more a game, right. then that does end up making a huge difference. Uh, he only called twenty-four false starts this year. Only called twelve defensive pass interferences in sixteen games. Only called defensive holding four times. Only called offensive pass interference three times. So that tells you you're not getting a lot of stops and starts in the game, which means you're getting a quicker game from yeah. a time standpoint, which is uh, good for those of us that are on the air during the games uh, when. <laughs> it doesn't drag over and we can actually get a game into a, into a window of a show but you know, I, I think that that is going to really be good for both teams. I would certainly at least lean early on. I have not bet this accordingly. The over, the total is up to 54 and a half at BetMGM. It's pretty much uh, 54, 54 and a half in the market. So I think it very well could be. And look, we did see an over in the first meeting, much like we yes. saw an over in the first meeting with Buffalo and Kansas City. And then we saw one, uh, you know, kind of slowed down. And then all of a sudden Boy. everything got crazy uh, after the Chiefs kicked that field goal. Uh, they tried the belldozer on third down uh, on a pitch play. That did not work. So then that kind of changed the pace of the game and then Buffalo took the lead and then Kansas City took the lead. Buffalo took the lead and then 13 seconds this game's over. Not so much and then we go to overtime and then of course we know what happened there. So you know at seven and a half I would be interested at a pure seven and a half I'd be more interested in the full game on Cincinnati Bet MGM does have seven and a half but minus seven and a half even money on the Chiefs. So you got to pay a buck 20 if you want to get that hook and especially in a game like this where the numbers are so tight.
3: Yeah, it's interesting too because again, the Chiefs right now are 7-0 to the over in their last seven games overall, right? So I know they were playing good defense there for a stretch. It looks like that defense can be gotten to again as you referenced the first matchup. They almost got that total in the first half. Mm-hmm. That's how easy it was for Cincinnati to score. I can't imagine that's going to be the same game plan that they see from Steve Spagnolo and his defense, but You got to think Cincinnati is going to be primed to score some points here. Does that switch if you anticipate where the line might go? if it goes under that seven, does that switch the handicap at all? Or is the seven the tightest number? And then certainly, as you mentioned, over that seven, you might have the proclivity to play the Bengals.
2: It's going to dance around this number. I mean, you're going to get, I think, enough support. I don't think it's just going to be one-way traffic on the Chiefs. So if you're getting the hook, I think that you're going to like Cincinnati. If Cincinnati all of a sudden gets the support at six and a half, you're going to be seeing the Chiefs get laid. And plus, it's still in that teaser range. Now, you only have one other game that you can pair it with, that being the end NFC title game. So look, I see the 49ers. I, I, I think the Chiefs and the 49ers will be the popular teaser of the week because the 49ers, you can still, you can get it up to like nine and a half on a six point teaser. This is the team that did sweep the Rams in the regular season. So Chiefs just to win the game down to like minus one. I think that that's going to be the popular teaser at the window this weekend. So, you know, but, but without a teaser implication, I think it's going to depend really on the key number conference championship favorites by the way of more than a field goal, which the Chiefs are here 15 and eight against the number that's 65% since 2004 so you know it's kind of one of those things like when we talk about college football Dave as we get to like the January 1st bowl games Mm because like the underdogs really get there early in the lesser bowl games but then when we get to the big kids the favorites usually get there and then that's kind of what you see the heavy favorite usually wins in the playoffs but I mean I think that getting seven and a hook I think that this is a lot closer than maybe we're anticipating here I think you know, you don't want to get into that. Okay. It's a foregone conclusion. The Chiefs slayed the dragon. They right. beat the bills. Cause sometimes when that happens, then it's like, even though the stakes are higher, the next game, it's like such a come down. And then you kind of sure. take this team for granted. It's like the Cincinnati Bengals don't belong here because look, look at what people are going to see from Saturday. The Cincinnati Bengals somehow found a way to win. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. Whew. You don't win when you get sacked nine times, no. but it helps your cause when it, other team turns it over three times, which Ryan Tannehill and the Titans did. So look, Bengals are used to playing in one score games, Uh, 11, one score games this season. So that is a lot of close games. And then when you look at Mahomes, as great as he is and as great as he was on Sunday, 13, 15 and one against the number is a favorite of more than
3: a touchdown. I don't remember Ferris being sick nine times. He wasn't sick. He was playing hooky. <laughs> so when you see the first half number, Wes, and, and I'm trying to get inside your brain here, and I think I'm picking up what you're putting down, that you really might like the Bengals here in that first half number of getting four and a half because you kind of emptied the tank against Buffalo, and now you got to come back against a team that does have some ways to score some points on you, and all of a sudden you kind of get that better number. Again, we don't know who might get the extra possession with the coin toss, but that four and a half number sticks out to me. Even if Kansas City gets off to a slow start, you know, maybe they recover in the second half. But that first half could really be some value there.
2: Well, here's what you worry about on the Bengals side, and it's already taxed in a number, as you can see on the graphic minus four and a half, minus a dollar fifteen. Cincinnati usually is a slow starting team. They are 29th and first quarter DVOA per football outsiders. The defense ranks 28th in second quarter DVOA. And then when you look at them on the road, the offense 25th on the road while on mm. the, uh, the defense ranks 31st on first downs. I think one of the things with Cincinnati and I brought it up last week and I think you kind of saw it early on. They overcommit to the run game on early downs. They run probably way too much on first down. And then, you know, because I think what they were so scared because they dropped back to pass and since or Tennessee got a couple early sacks right. on first down so that's why I think Zach Taylor again company got real conservative where it's like okay we got to run the ball we can't be losing yards because Joe Burrow did get sacked nine times but I still believe you have to see Cincinnati throw the ball more on first down you have to see them be aggressive look this Chiefs defense as much as it improved keep in mind the honey badger went to the locker yeah. room Teron Matthew with the concussion didn't return and boy you really saw his absence, too, because Gabriel Davis, uh, and I tweeted out during during the end of the game, I was like, is this contract year for Gabriel Davis? Because he just made a lot of money in about (laughs) 30 minutes here, and you could see Jamar Chase and the Bengals receivers uh, being able to produce without Mathieu in there, and uh, the Chiefs uh, just very much struggled to stop the pass down the stretch.
3: Yeah, absolutely did. I mean, uh, Davis was wide open on some of those plays without the the Honey Badger back there. So, again, uh, the Bengals did get off to that good start last week in Tennessee. Let's Six nothing after the first quarter, but just two field goals and started off on that first play interception of Ryan Tannehill. You don't expect to come uh, this week, potentially from Patrick Mahomes. All right, when we come back, let's dive into the NFC and get our early thoughts there. Come on back, it's the Lombardi Line right here on and the Sports Betting Network. 4,700 back alongside West Reynolds. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on Lisa. We got into the AFC to open up the show. Let's get to the NFC game here between if you had the Niners and the Rams and the NFC title game. Kudos to you because I don't think a lot of people saw what the two and the four seeds uh, well, no, the four and the six seeds, I believe, coming out of the NFC here with the right to go to the Super Bowl. So right now we saw it open up early with about four for L.A. It's down to three and a half here at MGM. And again, that total has come down from 47 down to 46. So some quick moves here. Half point down with San Francisco taking some money and people thinking this is going to be a game played close to the vest and maybe the under- would play. Obviously, the game went over for the Rams and mm-hmm. went under for the Niners in that uh, winter wonderland of Lambeau Field last week. So what do you make of those initial numbers? Let's start with a line move down to three and a half with the Rams.
2: Yeah, maybe the tax was a little bit too high because the tax was in the number because what we do know is that the 49ers by the way swept the season series against the Rams. Sean McVay by the way, three and seven in his career straight up in ATS against Kyle Shanahan and consider that Sean McVay is 44-32-2 58% against the number against all other coaches. So Shanahan has clearly had Sean McVay's number and had it twice this year, both in Santa Clara and down at SoFi Stadium. So the tax was, I think, initially put into that number. I think I know Superbook was out there at minus four and then Mm -hmm. quickly went to three and a half. And that's kind of where the number is right now. And I'm seeing at least a little bit more early support in the week for the 49ers. And what I mean by that tax is because the Rams got swept in the season series. So bookmakers know the old you know, adage, it might be kind of a cliche, you especially see it come college basketball time. Like when you get to college or conference tournaments and a team got swept in the season series, it's hard to beat a team three times. So that is already put into the numbers. So they're making you pay for that if you like the Rams here. And look, I talked about uh, the uh, McVeigh uh, trends there, but also uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who looked, let's be honest, of the four remaining quarterbacks that are uh, in the conference championship games, had the worst performance last week. Yeah. I mean, you know, what was not very good. Nevertheless, he's 11 and three as a road underdog under Kyle Shanahan. So somehow, some way he got it done. And you got to give credit too, to the 49ers, especially uh, D'Amico Ryans, uh, the former Alabama linebacker, mm-hmm. former NFL player. It was a masterclass really against Green Bay because Green Bay, you know, it looked like, oh God, they're running away with this game. They scored early. San Francisco was doing nothing, just kind of hanging around. But D'Amico Ryans and that defense made him hang around because Green Bay was very pedestrian to borderline pathetic offensively after that first drive. Once you got in that second quarter, they really didn't do much on offense. You know, the turnover by Mercedes probably changed the momentum of the game. But when you go back to this 49ers uh, Rams matchup, and I'll go back to that last matchup in week 18, Rams were playing for the division title. The Niners needed that win to make the playoffs. And remember, L.A. jumped off to that 17-0 start. But they only had 123 yards after that. It was 17-0. We were all saying, okay, maybe they got to get Jimmy G out. His thumb's hanging by a thread here. Maybe Mm -hmm. you got to go with the kid, Trey Lance. And then Jimmy G, you know, let's give him credit. He, He sacked up. right? And he made a couple big throws. He made that big throw, I think, to Kittle that put him in field goal range where they got three before the half. San Francisco ends up coming back to win the game. That was the only loss ever in the history of Sean McVay's head coaching career when he had a halftime lead. That's right. So he's now 45-1 and one when he leads at halftime. Matthew Stafford got sacked five times. Rams couldn't run the ball. 49ers came back to win in overtime. The statistics would tell you that the 49ers probably dominated that second game. 449-265 to 265 in yardage, even without Trent Williams. Remember, mm-hmm. he didn't go in that Week 18 game. Rams were 10-17 on third down three or four in the red zone. And that's what kept it competitive. And there you see, you saw that graphic a moment ago. The week 10 meeting was domination by the 49ers, 31 to 10 Niners had the uh, ball twice as much as the Rams did picked off Stafford on two of the first three drives, stopped the run game, 44 carries for 156 yards. So look, the the 49ers have absolutely had their number. And in full disclosure, I still got my Rams 15 to one Super Bowl future live, I'm still deciding if I maybe want to hedge out here. That's what I did with Buffalo. It ended up working out. Kansas City money line gets there, so nothing ventured, nothing game. You you know, San Francisco, the offense didn't have a lot on Saturday because Jimmy G wasn't great, but they made the plays when they have to, and that's something to be said for that. Debo Samuel Mm -hmm. came up big late, George Kittle. Came up big late. They got pressure on Aaron Rodgers all game. So the 49ers are getting plenty of support in the market. I would not be surprised if the tickets actually favored these guys because, you know, the 49ers offensive line, I think has kind of won the battle in the two games with the Rams. Even though the Rams lead the NFL in pass rush win rate, I think they were third in sacks this year in the regular season. Rams had four sacks in two games against the Niners. If you're only giving up two sacks a game against this front four for the Rams, then you're doing a very good job.
3: I'm so conflicted in this matchup because, again, Kyle has won the last six against Sean McVay straight up. That's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the last six. He's just dominated this series uh, in recent history. You watched the Niners last week, and their offense did absolutely nothing. Their only touchdown was a special teams touchdown on the blocked punt. Right. Jimmy G had a lot. There was a lot of drops. They didn't help out Jimmy G early. Right. And that was with Trent Williams. Right. Now they're, they might not have Trent Williams. Debo Samuel got hurt at the end of that game too. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how healthy he's going to be, but I was confused because I thought Nick Bosa and Fred Warner wouldn't be the same guys. And they, they were masterful last week in playing with their injuries. So I'm so conflicted as to who San Francisco is really going to have full strength for this Rams game. And then I look at the Rams and I go, well, they've been soft as Charmin against San Francisco. And then what they do last week for the first three quarters, they beat up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
2: Yeah, and they took advantage of a very much injured Tampa Bay offensive line. That was a big story. And one of the reasons I was on the Rams and it proved to be right because they pressured Tom Brady that right side without Tristan My goodness. was Absolutely. Was a they were DOA and even the left side was getting beat by Vaughn Miller. Mm-hmm. So, you know 49ers a little bit healthier uh, uh, we will see if uh, Trent Williams look Trent Williams is is always injured but that doesn't mean he's not going to play so Trent Williams is obviously going to be uh, more healthy for this one because he missed the week 18 game so you know Trent Williams though was the guy that did have that holding penalty early on and then of course the next play Jimmy G threw that interception at the end of the first half so that was caused by the holding penalty but if any team has some offensive line issues it is Andrew Whitworth who did miss the game in Tampa on Sunday listed as questionable right now so if they can get him back that would obviously help but I thought that the Rams offensive line really did hold up against Tampa Bay now you got to hold up against Bosa and Armstead who are absolute monsters on Saturday up in Lambeau Field so that is something that's uh, you got to watch here uh 49ers defense down the stretch, I thought was very good, and I it was, think it was capped off by that win at Green Bay. Fourth in DVOA over the last eight weeks, they led the league in run defense over that span. And I've been saying it all season about the Rams. Okay, when are they going to show that consistent running game? Because look, you get Cam Akers back, who's more of your home run hitter, mm-hmm. but Sony Michelle is more your steady Eddie. And I tell you what, if they relied a little bit more on Sony Michelle on Sunday, that might not have been too close for comfort. Because Cam Akers with two fumbles Whoa. down the stretch. I know Akers can hit the big play, but Sony Michelle moves the runners over, and that's kind of what you needed to do is you needed to get four and five yard gains to move over. the football. Yeah, you can absolutely not turn it over. But, you know, I was happy for Matthew Stafford, who is very much maligned mm-hmm. that, you know, he made the big throw when he needed it. And and and, and Cooper Cup, by the way, is a really tough cover. Two hundred and forty yards, by the way, in the last two meetings against the 49ers. So would expect that Cooper Cup is gonna. To have another big game when they very much need it
3: again you kept waiting for the Cowboys a couple weeks ago to, to kind of get into that uh back for the Niners they couldn't do it you kept waiting for Aaron Rodgers to do it they did it in the first drive and that's it Cooper Cup let's see if he can be the guy to unlock the key here because again that's where the weakness is in that San Francisco defense it's clearly not in the front seven it's in the back four but a lot of t- Times teams don't have time to get to that back four. So let's see if the Rams' offensive line can hold up to give Matthew Stafford the time to find Cooper Cup because you're right, he's always All the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's such a tough cover. The problem is, can you get him the football? The Packers couldn't do it efficiently, and the Cowboys certainly couldn't do it. And that's why you have the Niners here in the spot. Basically, they've already won three playoff games because they lose to the Rams in the last week, the regular season. They're not in the playoffs. So there's something to be said for that because they've won now three straight playoff games, but on the
2: road, they, of course, won here in this stadium in week 18, one in Dallas, and one in Green Bay. 49ers aren't going to be afraid here. I mean, it doesn't feel maybe as overwhelming as like the Bengals in the other spot in the AFC Championship game, but uh, officiating might play a factor here. The official on this game, Carl Sheffers most penalties called in the National Football League.
3: We'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the program. Plus, Devo Samuel says, basically, hey, sell us your tickets because the Ram fans are going to sell them anyway. Think about a little <laughs> beef going on there. When we come back, we'll hop into the Tuesday night college basketball slate. Come on back; it's the Lombardi Line right here on These and These Sports Betting Now. Never too early to prepare for the big game. We want to make sure Veasan is a part of your plans. We're going to be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on Championship Weekend, we've got 56 hours of free video coverage on Veasan.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the Veasan betting experts before, during, and after the action on Veasan.com. Dave Ross, alongside West Reynolds, this is on Lombardi Line right here on Veasan. And let's dip our toe into college basketball here. And I said it to you on Saturday when we're doing betting across America. You look up and Bruce Pearl Mm -hmm. and Auburn. Well, they were number two. Now they're number
2: one? For the first time in school history, they are number one in the AP poll. And, uh, Not well, in football? M- no, in in, in hoops. Okay. And, 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 just a, and really deservedly so. I gotta give them credit. And uh, we were actually on Betting Across America on Saturday, as you just mentioned, and Auburn was in the process of completing a comeback at home over Kentucky. Number 12 Kentucky, a very good team mm-hmm. that John Calipari has down in Lexington, and Auburn was able to pull away late, and now they are the Number one team in the country, but as we saw at the end of the game, anytime you beat the Wildcats in the SEC or the King Daddy program of that of that conference for forever anytime you beat them, that's a big win. And boy, that looked like a big win for Auburn because those kids were jumping on the scorer's table. People were coming on the oh, floor. Yeah. They were stripping the jerseys off. They were flexing, man. It looked like they were at the Mr. <laughs> at the uh, Mr. Olympia finals or something out here in Las Vegas. They had the pose going, everything showing Flex off on. the guns. Yeah, absolutely. So now you got to go on the road and play a Missouri mm. team that look, has not been great, but has played better basketball of late, uh, so Martin's bunch. This is an eight and 10 team. So this is not a very good ball club. But if you look at here in the month of January, they've had a couple shaky efforts that blow out against Arkansas. And I think maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit after they beat Alabama and then got blown out at Arkansas. But then a very tough home loss to Texas a and a very solid team, then went on the road and beat Ole Miss by 25 Who just beat Florida last night. And then against Alabama on Saturday, they had Alabama down 14 Early in the second half, Alabama eventually pulled away and won by 10. But this is a Missouri team that is starting to play a little bit better ball. I think they've got some size off the bench down low that can counteract Auburn's size. And I think that's been the total difference maker for Auburn this year is that you know what Bruce Pearl and his guys like to do. They like to press in the backcourt, full-court press. He did it at Tennessee. He did it at UW-Milwaukee. did it at University of Southern Indiana. So, everywhere Bruce Pearl has been, he's like to press. However, this year it's been a little bit different because when you can press and you gamble for steals and you get beaten transition defense – you better have size down there to be able to be a shot blocker mm-hmm. and to stop possessions and they have Walker Kessler the seven footer who transferred in from North Carolina they have Jabari Smith 6'10 220 who's you know by every NBA mock has him like as a top five pick this kid's probably going to be a one and done after his freshman year so when you got those shot blockers down low and Auburn all you know Bruce Pearl always has some athletes even sure. some undersized guys that are very good jumper so you got to have those shot blockers so that's what I think is made a difference for Auburn when you gamble because I typically don't like that style of play when you gamble too much on steals. But if you have those shot blockers that can make up for it. But Missouri is a good rebounding team. They've got good size. I think uh, you know that'll minimize the possessions and that's what Mizzou has to do. I don't think that they really want to run with Auburn. No. I don't think that that's going to be good. I've already bet plus 14. I think it's 12 and a half at MGM. There are some 13 and a halves in the market. I think it's still worth the shot on Missouri, if you, especially if you want to split at first half and game first half. I think they're getting like seven, okay. maybe six and a half, but I think Missouri is going to hang in there. I think that this is a tough spot for Auburn and you got a Missouri team that look is eight and 10. So you get the number one team coming in. You're going to put everything oh, yeah. you have into this game because you know that, okay, this is not going well, but I think Auburn, you know, how do you handle success? And, you know, that's what you find with some of these teams. And on a lesser level, that's my alma mater on Sunday, Indiana. You know, they rushed the floor. They beat Purdue for the first time after losing nine straight last Thursday. And then the next time out, how Michigan. do you handle success? They did not handle success very well against Michigan, and it's a lot tougher for these college kids to handle success. So I am, uh, I am, uh, you know, hold on to your butts here because it's <laughs> tough to bet against the number one Auburn Tigers. But that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm on Mizzou.
3: You know, I, I saw a lot of my uh, Chicago brethren uh, tweeting out today how cold it is. I be four degrees back in Illinois. You get Michigan State coming to uh, Champaign to take on the Illini. Mm-hmm. Now, normally when I think of this matchup, I think defense. Right now, I'm going to think like just physical Big Ten basketball. Right. Well, Michigan State, by the way, five and zero ATS in their last five. The over is four and one in their last five following an ATS win. The Illini over is 2 and one in their last fourteen overall. They're five and two ATS in their last seven. Now it's one forty two, which after I read those numbers feels a little bit low. And right now the Illini laying four and a half. Like it's top 10 Sparty.
2: Well, this has dropped a little bit because we don't know the status of Kofi Coburn. He's battling a concussion, so he is questionable. So that's why you've seen it. In terms of the total, this may be a buy low to take the over because maybe that's going to open up the offense a little bit more. And then plus you don't have a big guy down low defensively Mm -hmm. like Coburn if he does not go tonight. Michigan State is the more athletic team in terms of uh, from the wings to the power forward position. They can get out on the perimeter. Uh, big 10 opponents are only shooting 30% from the three against Michigan State. So, look, uh, Michigan State comes off that big win over Wisconsin. They've really owned the Badgers over the last few years. That Wisconsin team was as hot as anybody in the country, and Michigan State pretty much did a wire-to-wire job on them. Frazier and Curbelo, the Illinois quarter, or the Illinois backcourt, rather, the quarterbacks of the offense, <laughs> I guess you could say. Yeah. They haven't really been practicing a lot, apparently, because Frazier has an injured back. Curbelo has had the flu. But you look at Michigan State's guards, the concern with these guys is they do turn it over a little bit much. That's Hoggard and the kid Walker, who is the transfer out of Northeastern. Both are capable guys, but man, they they will turn it over. So you are I think very concerned off that. So I think you're going to see some transition offense or at least a little bit more for Michigan State, especially with no Coburn because Illinois has not been a very good uh, transition defense team all season long. So Uh, looking at this, and this is not one that I have bet yet, but I think to your point, even though the total has dropped, and I think it's dropped because of Coburn's status. Right. Because I think people are just, you know, a lot of times you'll see that guy's just taking a number before an injury gets announced because they're like, I got to take the best number. That doesn't mean they won't come back, especially these sharp guys that bet the overnights. The casual bettors aren't betting the overnights as much. So it takes a lot less money, by the way, to move these overnight numbers until you get later in the day, because the limits are going to be lower. So, would, would lean a little bit to the over here in this spot. Illinois, look, two straight losses. They lost that double overtime game last Monday on Martin Luther King Day hmm. to Purdue. And then they went to Maryland. And got uh, beat by a, a Maryland team that is very much struggling. Danny Manning, of course, taking over as interim coach for Mark Turgeon, who resigned earlier this year. But that's still a bad loss uh, against uh, against Maryland, even without Kobe Coburn. You should be able to kind of make it happen. But they got beat 81-65. to 65. They got absolutely uh, hammered, I think, down low. Maryland got 1.23 points per possession. So... I lean on the side of Michigan State. It's already discounted, though, assuming Coburn wouldn't play. But I'm to your point. I kind of like the total better.
3: Let me give you a, one other game here that intrigues me, and I want to get your thoughts on it. It is Arizona against UCLA, mm-hmm. and Arizona, all of a sudden, you saw them up close and personal early in the year, five and one ATS in their last six on the road, over again, ten and one in their last eleven following an ATS win. Now UCLA, conversely, the under is 8-3 in their last 11 overall, and they're just 1-4-1 ATS in their last six, so they've struggled a little bit against the number, but we are talking about two top 10 teams, powerhouses in the Pac-12. What do you make of the matchup?
2: Yeah, and uh, I do. Arizona's getting the support here. I actually lean UCLA here in this spot as the home underdog at Pauley Pavilion. I think, look, what Mick Cronin is going to want to do, I think you're going to see him sag off the Arizona shooters because they don't want to get beat down low, and they don't want to get allow a lot of points at the rim which arizona is very good at doing ucla kind of does run a little modified pack line similar to what cronin mm-hmm. ran at cincinnati albeit with much better athletes and much better talent at ucla so look UCLA, sometimes offensively, sometimes they can look as good as anybody. And sometimes it's like, how does this team beat anybody? So they can <laughs> look like old Cincinnati right. a little bit, even though I think UCLA wants to run a little bit. Tiger Campbell, the point guard for UCLA, is battling a thumb injury. So, you know, that is something that's going to be concerned because he's kind of the stir that straws the drink mm-hmm. and gets Yuzang going and gets Jaime Yakes going and the entire UCLA offense. But, you know, the fans actually are back at Pauly. If you've watched some UCLA games, they've had a couple COVID pauses. I know uh, our old colleague Danielle Alvari mm-hmm. does DMC work at some of the games, and she's been telling me they've had a couple games canceled. They haven't had fans, haven't had a lot of atmosphere. So they are going to have fans back at Pauly. I think UCLA, the team that controls the pace, wins this game. And I always maintain more often than not, it is easier to slow down a fast team than it is to speed up a slower team. So I think UCLA controls the pace here. I like them at home
3: all right kind of like the Bruins there as well getting that three and a half at Pauly and you're right fans do make a difference when you're back in that arena when we come back it's the king of New York we're gonna have Will Hill join us from New York City cast and get his thoughts not only on the championship Sunday but also some golf with you and Wes Reynolds come on back it's the Lombardi line right here on these the Sportsman network You with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game. If either team hits a three pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bets' outcome. Just use the bonus code decent 200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn M Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. So download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code decent 200 Doing 200 bucks in free bets a three pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BitmGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non withdrawable. Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the lone body line right here on VEASAN. It is always a pleasure every Tuesday to be joined. By the King of New York. Check out the New York City cast right here in Vison. He is Will Hill. Follow him on Twitter as I do at not the Will Hill. Will, how'd you come up with that handle? Is it the other Will Hill that you were worried about?
4: It was the other one that I was worried about. And it's funny. I, the last time I talked to you guys, it was like Sunday, 6:15. We were talking Bucks Rams. It just ended. We we're saying, "Wow, that's the craziest game we'll ever see." And then who, <laughs> who would have known a couple hours later uh, what we were in for? It was crazy. After the Bills. Uh Chiefs game, you almost forgot about the Bucks Rams. So, oh my God, yeah, that was the same day. Just uh one of the crazier days we'll ever see. I'm still kind of real, even though it's two days later and You know, as the sports better, you know, part of the network. We just move on to the next week, the next game. It's still even two days later. It's still kind of your head spinning in terms of what we saw on Sunday all day.
3: Well, I was on the side of the Bucks and the Bills, so it was not a very profitable Sunday for me. And look, I can't count the Bucks as a bad beat, right, Wes? Because we felt like all week, all game, that the Rams were the right side, so it would have been a lucky one. But the other one did certainly tried
2: to give it away.
3: They they did, but the other one did sting because I felt like the Bills were the right side to be on on that. Will I don't know where you stood on that game and I know Wes smartly because he had a Bills uh, Super Bowl ticket which I also had had the Chiefs for the game is kind of a a little game hedge for the de facto AFC title game how how did you stand on that crazy Sunday and did you get in any in-game which I know you've been prone to do in the past
4: I had the Chiefs and I had the over. The over actually was a sweat because it was in 53 and a half, 54 and a half, depending upon you when you bet it. And you look at the final score off 78 points. You had it easily. It was a that was sitting on 47 with two minutes left, fourth and 13. If out if that pass is incomplete, Chiefs probably you know pick up a few first downs, end the game. It ends on 47. But I had the Chiefs. But I also had and I gave out on the podcast uh, Bills 49ers Super Bowl at 60 to one, and I still have Bengals 49ers at 125 to one. Whoa. So. I had more on Bill's 49ers, to be honest, and that would have been a a nice uh, way to be heading into the weekend with both of those tickets still alive. And, man, just squib kick it. I know everyone. Anytime anytime a group of people are all saying the same thing, usually there's another side to it. This one, I don't know if there's another side to it. And Just mug the receivers. Take the five-yard penalty. Tackle Hill. Tackle Kelsey. Make them throw the flag. Crazy
2: if Tyreek Hill beats you on a kick return, then he just made a hell of a play, you know, so, and you don't even give it to him. It's like, okay, I'll give up the 10 or 15 extra yards of field position for, you know, five seconds coming off the clock on a return, and you absolutely do. You mug the receivers here because the clock is going to run out, and now the game cannot end on a defensive penalty, so basically what you're doing is you're like, you're keeping them in Hail Mary range. It's like, okay, they're going to have a Hail Mary. If they complete it, then they beat us, but yeah, Sean Sean McDermott's going to want that back, who I think is a very good coach in this league, but he's going to want that back. And he absolutely admitted. He's like, that's on me. I absolutely should have squib kicked. It
3: it reminds me of a few good men where in the cross-examination, Tom Cruise just says, is there any chance that the old man just forgot? It just seems like he forgot that that's what he's supposed to do in that instance in Jackson. And
4: they got no yeah. And they got caught up in defending the boundary, which made no sense because they had two. the chiefs had two timeouts and they're defending the deep ball, trying to take away the hail Mary. The chiefs aren't trying to score a touchdown there. They're trying to get exactly what they try to do. You know, get 40, 50 quick yards, which I mean, they couldn't have made it any easier for him. I mean, they just handed them 50 yards and you know, you could say all the things, all the bills, they're young. They'll be back. Allen's young. You never know when you're going to be back. And uh, look at the 2012 thunder. You never know when you're going back. It's really hard to win. Rodgers has gone 11 post without making a super bowl. Very hard to win.
3: Amen to that. I remember all the chatter about Dan Marino after the second year, second year in the league, right? And they lose to the Niners and Super. Oh, don't worry. He'll be back. He was never back
4: ever again. The, the okay. 2015 Mets, they got all that young pitching um, they lose to the Royals. They should have been, oh, they'll be back. He's yeah. just, he's just do twisting the knife. Don't do that, right Will. In I mean, the king of New York getting
3: right in on me. Okay, <laughs> so to that end, right? So now the Chiefs get that dramatic come from behind win. I, I don't even know what the percentage chance was of winning with 13 seconds to go down three. But they do that. Now here come the Bengals, right? And let's be honest, Will, they didn't look overly impressive. I mean, it's a nice – anytime you beat the number one seed and you do it on the road – I guess that's still impressive, but they did give up nine sacks. So how do you handicap this one now? When you look at the Bengals getting seven here, Bet MGM or seeing some halfs. Is it dependent on the number for you? Or do you already have a firm handicap here?
4: Because I have that Bengals 49ers ticket. I don't know if I'm going to let it ride. To be honest, if I could tease the chiefs, I'm trying to figure out how to play this to me. The chiefs are in perfect teaser range. I, you know, could you make the case? This is a letdown spot. It's hard to sell that in the AFC title game, a letdown spot. Maybe they come out a little flat, uh, because of, of the emotional game the other uh, on Sunday, maybe. To me, it's just hard to see that Bengals offensive line holding up. I, I'm sure they'll have their moments. Burrow will have his moments. Chase had, will have his moments. Remember, we were watching that game on the green zone just a few oh. weeks ago. Chase had 260-something yards. Burrow had four touchdowns. The Bengals will get their points. I just don't see them getting a lot of stops. Uh, maybe a Chiefs team totals the way to play it. Uh, I think it, I, I lean towards the over. I know the over's already taken some money, so you kind of missed the best number there. Uh, I, I would figure the Chiefs find a way. To get it done, do they cover the seven? I'm kind of indifferent on that, and again, I have that future in pocket, so I'm not going to probably get involved. You're always worried about a backdoor with Cincy. I just have a hard time. This is a tough spot uh, for a bad offensive line. It's going to be loud in that building. You figure, uh, you figure, the Chiefs will find a way to march on. And uh, with that being said, Mahomes is still plus 175 to win Super Bowl MVP. Maybe you just put that in your pocket and say, you know what? They'll probably win this game uh, in in a week on Monday. This will be, you know, Mahomes will be minus 150 or something to be Mm -hmm. Super Bowl MVP because they'll be favored in the game. Mahomes will be favored to win the award. And uh, maybe that's the way to approach it.
2: Well, we've already talked about, Will. what I'm most excited about for the AFC championship game is that Bill Vinovich is the assigned referee oh. <laughs> who calls the least amount of penalties in the yes. national football league. So immediately that makes me consider him the best referee in the national <laughs> football league. Meanwhile, on the other side in the NFC championship Jeffers. game, the most frequently uh, uh, flag uh, happy official, that would be Carl Sheffers uh, leads the league in penalties called that's 49ers Rams. By the way, We did just see a big bet here, right here behind us at the South point, the uh, legendary Jimmy Vaccaro posted the ticket $220,000 early in the week on the 49ers at plus three and a half. Will, is that your money uh, that you, that you went ahead and uh, (laughs) got down, called the boys in the back and say, give me three and a half on the Niners.
4: If it was, that'd be the direction to go. I don't think it's going to close three and a half. Now look, these books, they don't want to take action on both sides of the three. As they already took a bunch of 49ers money at four and then at three and a half. If you go to two and a half, then you have people betting the Rams. You worry about middling yourself as a book. Not that we feel too bad for the books. So I don't know that they're going to go to two and a half, but I think those three and a halfs are going to start to disappear. There's going to be plenty of sentiment for the 49ers. They've beaten them six times in a row. Uh, there's a weird rock, paper, scissor thing in the NFC West where the 49ers own the Rams, the Rams own the Cardinals, uh, the, the Seahawks own the 49ers. It's kind of a weird situation. But uh, to me, I also think there's going to be plenty of 49ers fans at, at this game game in LA there's not a huge support a ton of support for LA uh, for the Rams in LA Uh, I like the 49ers I think this is a grinded out game Uh, if you look at them in terms of yards per play on offense defense they're dead even Uh, I think it's going to be a great game three and a half to me is a lot of points I give the 49ers a great chance to win the game I,
3: I, I want to be on the side of the Niners here, and I've been against them the first couple of weeks, and that's obviously not been profitable. I'm just worried about the injuries, but I totally understand the handicap here because I think even strength, if everybody is healthy, I'm I'm totally with you. I would take the three and a half, and that's probably where I'll end up going to y'all's point because this number probably will come down to three. Let's get in some golf because, uh, Wes, you do a great job in the network handicapping golf. Will, you do as well. So let's talk about why you like Sam Burns at the Farmers Insurance Open and Patrick Mahomes to be the Super Bowl MVP as a parlay? What do you got going here? Well uh,
4: uh, I think those no, those were separate. I just okay. mentioned that it's a good number to grab with Mahomes. I guess if you could parlay it, why not? But uh no, I-, I like Burns here and you get him like twenty-five to one. He played well in this tournament last year. He was tied for third going into the last round, had a bad Sunday. But he's a guy with a, a really well-rounded game. Uh, When you look at him, he, he won an event late last year. He had a bunch of top 10 finishes late last year. Uh, he, he's in the mix for a lot of these tournaments. He, he's a hell of a player, short game, long game. He's got all the tools. So I, I'm interested in, in what Wes thinks and what's going to be ultimately on, on Wes's card, but Burns is definitely a guy I'm looking at for Well, this
2: week. Uh, there's going to be a couple people at Beeson that have Burns on their card. Our own Matt Eumanns, uh, like Sam Burns this weekend. Matt Brown, the pride and joy of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Sam Burns, of course, an LSU Tiger, always like Sam Burns. <laughs> I know he has good price on him to win a Masters. Would not be surprised if you tune in to primetime action here on to see Sam Burns on that guard but uh, played very well here last year no reason he can't go well again.
3: Alright so we'll see how that plays out. I like that uh, 25-1 to play and again if you can get Patrick Mahomes now I think that's really salient advice there because they're going to be the, the favorite against the Rams and or the Niners if they beat the Bengals come Sunday. He is the king of New York everybody. Will Hill follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Thanks Will as always when we come back a points race. We'll get to it in the title games. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on Decent, the
0: sports betting network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.